Well, happy Easter. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at Front Range Church, and we're just so grateful that you guys are joining us here at Easter in Castle Rock. Our hope and prayer is that this church will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Now, I do want to let you know that this isn't where we typically meet. Uh, we meet at Renaissance Secondary School, and uh, we, uh, we have a kids ministry for up to sixth graders, and so uh, they're not typically in the service with you, and so you can just come and engage and, and all of that. And if you want more information about where we meet, what times we meet, and all of that, you just take this little worship guide that uh, Pastor Johnny and Jana just talked about. You scan the QR code, and you can find out more information about who we are, where we meet, when we meet and all of that good stuff. Man, I'm so excited to be celebrating Easter with you because this is a day that we celebrate that the tomb is empty, that grave, the grave no longer has a hold on you, that Jesus is resurrected, yeah. And it's a phenomenal day, and I love doing something that, that hundreds of millions of followers of Jesus will do today around the world. They do something called the Pascal greeting. Some of you have heard of the Pascal greeting. Some of you, you haven't heard of it. And it's okay, because it goes like this, Christ is risen, and then you'll say, he is risen indeed. So let's do that together. Ready? Christ is risen. He is risen amen. Amen. Matt, this is good news. Because it's a reminder that no matter how dark things seem to be, that light always shines in the midst of the darkness. That no matter how hopeless situation may be right now, that hope still lives. That no matter how far from God you may feel, that our God will do anything to pursue after you, to be in a relationship with you. Now, Easter reminds me of this story of a, a man and his wife and his cranky mother-in-law who went on vacation to the Holy Land. And while they're there, unfortunately, the mother-in-law passed away, and so the, the gravedigger said, hey, I can either ship her home for $5,000, or I can bury her here in the Holy Land for only $150. So the man thought about it for a little bit, and he said, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and have her shipped back home. And the gravedigger was like, that's, that's kind of shocking. Why would you spend more money and not allow your mother-in-law to be buried in the Holy Land? He said, because about 2,000 years ago, a guy died. He was buried right here, and he rose from the dead three days later. I can't take that risk. I just can't take that risk. I can use that joke because my mother-in-law was just in town, and she's not right now, so I'm good. Uh, now here's what I know about this audience right now. Besides that there are some mother-in-laws that are angry with me, uh, I know that there are some of us, man, we go to church every week. And if that's you, I want to say, man, I'm so glad that you're here. For others of us, we, uh, oh, church is more like a tradition. Maybe we come at, at Christmas and Easter, maybe a couple other times throughout the year, and I want you to know I'm so thankful that you're here. And others of us, we've never stepped foot in a church. Maybe it's our first time, and you're wondering, man, what's going to happen, and who are these people and all of that. I want you to know I'm so grateful that you're here. And no matter if you come to church often, if you're committed to church, if this is your first time in church, what I know about this group is there's some of us walked into this place today, and man, we need some hope. There's some of us who have walked into this place today, and man, life has been hard. It's been challenging. We've been in a season of struggle. We feel like we just keep going and going, and there's no reprieve. You're sick of your circumstances and what you've been dealing with. Maybe you've been wrestling through some relational issues or maybe some health issues or some issues with your kids or whatever, and you're just in need of some hope. Maybe life right now feels out of control. Today, we're going to look at what do we do when life is out of control. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, man, life is... It feels like it's out of control many, many times throughout uh, my lifetime. I mean, there, there's times with my kids that, that feels like, 
life is out of control. If you have kids, you have felt this at some point in your life. Uh, there's been times where I've, I've struggled with health issues, and in those moments, I can't control my situation. I feel like, man, even my health, I'm just, I have no power over it. Or maybe it was during COVID. I mean, how many of you felt like you were out of control, that life was out of control in the midst of COVID? I, I remember uh, uh, the first time that, that I experienced feeling out of control with my kids. Uh, it was when my son was born. Now, he, he's, we just celebrated his 12th birthday yesterday, and I was kind of reflecting on, on his birth. And I remember, man, I, I, I had no power over that situation that was happening in that room. The, my wife, she was killing it, and the doctors and the nurses, they were doing such great things. I had no control. I didn't even have control over my own body because when I looked down, I saw that miracle happening, I started to faint. I'm not going to lie. I had to sit down. The doctor's like, nurse, can we get some apple juice in here for him? I'm like, what dude has to have that? Like, but I had no power over my circumstance. Maybe that's where you feel like you are right now, where you just wish you could have a little bit of control. What do you do when you're in that place? I'll tell you what, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to try to answer that question. Father, we just come before you, and we thank you. We thank you that we get to be here together, that, Father, we get to, to celebrate the risen Lord, that, Jesus, you didn't just die for us, but you rose from the dead to show your power over death and over sin so that we can live eternally. So, Father, meet us in this place. You know what each one of us is going through. You know some of the struggles that some of us are having, God. And I pray you would just meet us in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to answer this question by diving into some scripture. If you have a Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be up on the screens. Uh, if you need a Bible, man, I would encourage you to go to our Connections tent that Pastor Johnny talked about earlier. And we have Bibles there for you if you need one. Or you could download the Bible app. It's also a phenomenal resource as well. And let me just kind of set up the story for you. So Jesus has been doing ministry for about three years. He's been healing people and teaching and all of that. And, and now he's at what's called the Last Supper. It's called the Last Supper because it's the Last Supper before he was going to be crucified. So he's telling his, his followers, these, these men, these disciples, he's telling them what's about to happen. And he says, hey, man, you guys are going to abandon me. And one guy named Peter, he's like, I'll never abandon you. I'm going to be right there with you. I'll fight for you and all of that. But Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows that very soon he's going to be arrested for something he didn't do, and he's going to hang on a cross to die for our sins. So he knows this. Imagine you knowing that you're about to die. Imagine knowing that this was your last supper, that this is your last chance to say to people before, whatever you want to say to them before you're going to be executed, before you die in some way. Imagine what's going through his mind and his heart. Well, we actually have a picture into that. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, Jesus takes him to a garden and he begins to pray. It says this, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You ever been there before? You ever been to a place where you feel like your soul is just overwhelmed? And when Jesus is saying this, he's saying, man, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm in pain because I know what it's about to happen. There's anxiety. I mean, he's the God of the universe, but he knows what's about to happen. He's saying, my soul is overwhelmed. If you ever feel overwhelmed, man, you're in good company because our God has been there as well. So he tells his disciples, I just want you to keep watch for me. That sounds like kind of a strange request. What's he asking? He's asking just to stand guard. I want you to stay awake. Be with me in this moment. Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. 
He says, if it's possible, will you take this cup? What cup is he talking about? It's called the cup of suffering. So it's kind of a, a, a word that they would use to talk about the suffering and the pain that they're going through right now. And he's saying, if you'll take away this suffering, if you'll take away this pain, God, but yet not my will be done, but yours. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. He's like, guys, you had one job. Your one job was to stay awake. And you can't even do that. Now, I can't fault these guys because there have been times in my life where I've been in prayer meetings and I've fallen asleep. I'm not, I'm, I, like, I'm not too good to say that that has happened. There was one time I woke myself up snoring. So I did like the one eye raise like to see if anybody was looking around at me, you know, and like no one was. I was like, phew, okay, I'm going to keep praying, you know, or go back to sleep or whatever. So I can't fault these guys. It's late at night. They've been going through a lot of things as well, and they fall asleep. And he's like, can you just keep watch with me? Can you just stay awake? It's fascinating to me. And Jesus can raise people from the dead. He can heal people who are blind. He can give people uh, uh, their, their legs back. Like he, he can do all, he can heal sickness. He can do all these things, but he can't control his disciples. He can't control what they're going to do. How many of us, by show of hands, how many of you like to be in control? Anybody like to be in control? Yeah, okay. A few of y'all here. I can see y'all back there. There's like four of y'all. I know there's more than four of y'all that like to be in control. Now, some of us, we don't want to admit that we like to be in control. We say something like, I just like to be well organized. Or I just know how I like things. And if you'll just kind of fall into line with how I like it. But deep down, we all love to be in control. Now, think about the last season that we've been walking through. There hasn't been a whole lot of control. I mean, think about the last two years, there's, there's been a lot of people who have wrestled with a, a lot of different emotions, frustration, anxiety, fear, grief. And many of us have realized that the very thing that we long for, that we want to have control over our circumstances, that it was just really illusion. We had no control anyways. And so we're grieving that loss of control. We're grieving that loss of power. And it's resulted in these emotions that many of us have never felt before. Or many of us have just tried to push down. I mean, for me, I've realized I have control over almost nothing in life. I may have control over nothing that's happening in our world, not over my 401k. I have no control over how much things cost now or if I can even buy something. I went into King Supers last week and I looked on the shelves. I'm like, they don't even have groceries right now. Like, I have no, absolutely, I have no control over my kids at all or what's going to happen to them or what they're going to walk through or anything like that. And I hate this. I hate the inability to, to not have power over my circumstances, to not have power. Like, I know what's the right thing to do. Like, I know what's the right thing to do in this world. If everybody will just kind of get in line with me, you know, then we'll be good to go. I want control over the things in my world. Right, let's just make it simpler than that. I just want my kids to actually clean up their rooms. And I get an amen from the, like, who cares about control of everything? Can you just listen to me for a moment? I long for control. And here's what I've learned. The more I want control, the more I fear losing it. The more I fear losing it, the more I want it. The more I want it, the more I fear losing it. The more I fear losing it, the more I want it. It's just a cycle that goes on and on and on. But what if what we're really after is not the power? It's not the control to, 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 to be able to guide our circumstances, our relationships. What if we're, what we're actually after is what we think control gives us, and that is peace? I mean, how do you obtain peace? 
when the world is going crazy, when people around me are going crazy, when my circumstances seem like, man, I have no influence in them at all, how do I obtain peace? How do we get it? Well, a simple answer, there, there is a simple answer. It's not easy, but it's simple. And it's this, to get peace in your life, you have to surrender. You have to surrender. Take a look at what Jesus does. He offers a, prayer, offers a prayer before God that shows us some of the most powerful words that could ever be prayed. I believe it's one of the most powerful prayers that could ever be prayed. Look at verse 42. It says, he went away a second time. Why a second time? Man, because anxiety keeps coming back. Worry keeps coming back. You ever been there before? It's not easy. It's not like, man, you just pray a little prayer and then, boop, you should be happy and good and at peace and all of that. It keeps coming back. So as he goes away a second time, he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. God, if there's no other way to make this happen, if there's no other way to make this happen, then let your will be done. How did Jesus get to this place? I mean, how did he get to a place to be able to say, hey, God, it doesn't really matter about my will, but it matters about your will? Well, two thoughts. Number one, I don't always have the power to control but I do always have the power to surrender. I don't always have the power to control, but I do always have the power to surrender. Now, some of you think, oh, I don't know about surrendering to God, Ernest. Like, believe in God, maybe pray to God when I'm in trouble, but surrender to God, I've done that, and it didn't work out too well. I mean, I've heard so many over the years say, man, I've tried God, I tried religion, I tried Christianity. And it just didn't work out well for me, so I'm good. I, I'm going to give that up. And maybe some of us, we've walked into this place today, and that's kind of where we are. We thought, man, I've tried this thing, and it hasn't worked out to my benefit, so I just kind of want to get rid of it. Why do we like that? It's because we're taught this belief that if God is good and you give your life to him, then God should only do good things in our lives, that only good things will happen to us. We're taught this belief that, that if God is faithful and if he's good and then you submit your life over to him, then you're not going to have any struggles. You're not going to have any pain. You're not going to have any trials. But that's a lie because life is going to throw at you a whole lot of things and you're going to have pain and you're going to have suffering. So then if we believe that I'll never experience that because of God, then when we do experience pain and we experience hardship, then we either blame God, he's clearly not good. He's not faithful, he doesn't love me, or we blame ourselves. Maybe I'm not a good enough Christian. Maybe I just don't have enough faith. So we either blame God because clearly he's not good because these circumstances are not good in my life, or we begin to blame ourselves. We think, I'm just not good. So now, Ernest, you're telling me that if I surrender to God, then I'll have some type of peace. What if I surrender? What if I surrender to God and my migraines don't go away. What if I surrender to God while I stay single for the next five years of my life? What if I give my life to Christ and truly submit over to him while my kid with special needs still struggle to find friends and purpose and joy? If I give my life over to God, then is he going to fix my marriage or will I continue to have struggles there? Will my cancer go away? Will I find the job of my dreams? Like, what if these things don't work out, Ernest? And I give my life over to him. I've tried this before and it just didn't work. Here's what I've learned over the years about surrendering to God's will. God's will is not always easy, comfortable, 
safe or popular. But it is always, say always, it is always good. Romans 8.28 says that God causes all things to work out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, it may not feel good right now. It may not seem good right now. You might be looking at your circumstances and going, man, I don't see how God can create good out of this situation at all. But God promises that he will cause all things to work out for good for those who love him, those who call according to his purpose, those who surrender their will to his, that God will always work it out for good. Now, when is that going to happen? I don't know. What is it going to look like? I don't know. There's some times where God calls something good that I necessarily wouldn't call good, but I have to trust him. I have to trust him that he can do more with my surrendering than I can with my control. I'm thankful that Jesus surrendered. Because if Jesus hadn't surrendered, sure, he might not have been killed in that moment, but you and I wouldn't have life today. You and I wouldn't have faith today. So God can do way more with my surrender than I can with my own control. What are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? What are you trying to have power over that God's saying, just let it go to me? Maybe it's your job, your relationships, health, your retirement, maybe it's your kids. What is God saying let go of today? And then how do I even get to that place? I mean, how do I get to a place of surrender? How do I get to a place of actually trusting that God is good and that he's going to work all things out for good and all of that? Well, we find how we get to that place of surrender through two small words in Jesus' prayer. Two small words. Look, at, look back at verse 39. It says this, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, faith is built between the if and the yet. The if, God, you'll do this, and yet... I will trust in you. What a powerful statement Jesus gives here. If, God, you are willing to allow this cup to pass from me, if, God, you are willing to do this, Father, any other way, if, Father, you'll, you'll take this from me and you'll save people in another way, if you'll do that, and yet not as I will, but as you will, I'll trust in you. This is where our faith is built, between the if and the yet. If, God, you can heal me, if, God, you can restore my marriage, if, God, you will take away this burden or this pain, if, God, you will give me that job, heal my son, show me what's next, if, God, you can or you will, and yet, I'll trust in you, and yet, I'll believe that you are good, that you are faithful, that you see the bigger picture. God, I really want you to do this. If you'll do this, please, God, please do this. And yet, God, I'm going to trust in your sovereignty and in your goodness and your plan. Okay, Ernest, it sounds good. It sounds pretty awesome to be able to try to trust God between the if and the yet. But what if it doesn't work out the way I want it to? Like, what if I pray these prayers and I say, God, I trust you. I surrender this area of my life over to you. And yet... I don't see the results. How do, I, how do I respond then? Take a look at this video. My name is Jamie. I am a wife and a mom of three young adult men. I loved having three boys. 
Just the energy that we always had around the house. It was never boring, always something going on. Mothering was, and being a mom, was just who I was meant to be. And I loved every minute of it. We were in church, you know, you hear the stories. Every time the doors were open, the kids were in choirs. They were always in church and in Christian school. So faith was a huge part of our family. All three of my boys, probably around 16 or 17, is when there was a, a, a shift. Maybe, you know, they had been in situations where they were hurt by one thing or another, and you could just start seeing the, the anger about being forced to be there. I was literally on my face praying the day uh, that I had a serious impression from the Spirit. I was praying for them and um, crying out to God, you know, just, you know, give us wisdom, give us discernment, what do we do here? And I got a very clear impression from the Holy Spirit. Almost word for word, I can tell you, told me, um, I no longer want you to require your boys to go to church if they live in your home. He said to me, I want you to get out of my way and let me do the work. This is now between me and them. Now, did I argue and disagree and say that makes no sense? Yes. We wrestled with it for a couple of weeks, and then I was able to individually have a discussion with them. And since I've had that discussion, I have to say, other than Christmas, they really haven't been back. It's kind of heartbreaking. Um, you spend your entire energy in, what, 17 years investing into your children, and you think you're teaching them about your family's faith and the importance of it, but then there's so many questions now. Where did, you know, where did we go wrong? You know, my kids aren't bad kids. They're, they're great young men that I'm very proud of. So how can I be disappointed that they're, they've stepped away? For me, a lesson that was necessary is learning to let go of the control of my children's lives. And um, I think that was a way for God to help me gradually begin to loosen the reins, realizing that he knows them more intimately than even their mom does. It's kind of unfathomable as a parent, but he does. And he knows what they need more than I do. He knows how they need to see him and what they need to see from him more than I do. I want so much for them to experience the joy and the freedom that Christ provides. It has been a real um, boost in my faith, actually, for me to depend more and more every day on the Lord. You know, remember to say, Lord, remind me. Remind me of your promise that, you know, you're never going to leave them, you're never going to forsake them, you're never going to leave me never going to forsake me. Just knowing he is in control and I don't have to be. The story is not all packaged up in a beautiful little bow on top, right? There are still so many unknowns, but mom's heart will never give up hope for her kids, ever. That is what I hold on to, that he's not done. Yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes.
That's what I hold on to. That God's not done. I think those could have been the same statement, the same statement that the disciples would have said that Friday when Jesus was hanging on a cross. Okay, God, what I hold on to now is that you're not done. Then think about that Saturday. There's no Jesus. He's lying in a tomb. Okay, God, but you're not done. I was that kid. I was one of those sons where people were praying, God, turn his heart. God, if you can change Ernest, God, if you can grab a hold of him in some way, God, if you can turn his heart to you, and yet we'll still trust in you. We'll still trust that you are good. We'll still trust that you love Ernest more than anything else. And man, I walked through a long time in my life where there was a lot of pain. And I didn't want to believe in God. I don't want to believe that there's some God in the sky. That seemed crazy to me. Or that God loved me. Well, the pain that I had walked through, it didn't feel like love. Like if God loved me, then why did he allow these things to happen in my life? And yet people didn't give up. God, if you can do this, and yet we'll trust in you. I mean, how do we get to that place? I mean, how as followers of Christ can we have our faith, like Jamie just talked about, be built between the if and the yet? Like how can we actually grow when the story isn't all wrapped up nice and neat? where there isn't this pretty little bow on it. Now look, all my boys are in church and all of that. How do we get to a place where our faith is actually still growing in the process of that? We get there because of today, because of the resurrection. That when things looked so lost and so broken and so dark, when Jesus was hanging on a tree and then buried in a tomb, you couldn't get much darker than that in our world. And yet, God wasn't done. When it seemed like the, the, the enemy had won, that death had, had finally conquered God. And yet, our God wasn't done. If you're right now stuck between the if and the yet, I want you to know I'm there with you. If you're in a place where you're crying out to God, God, I need you to do something. God, I need you to move mountains in my life. God, I need you to show up and do a miracle. I need you to repair this relationship, God. I need you to help my kids, God. I need you to do this thing in my job. I need you to show up in my health. If you're in between the if and the yet, I'm there with you. I'm right there with one of my kids where I'm just begging God, God, just show up. God, do something mighty. Why do I believe that you can? Because you already did it and you showed it. You moved mountains on that first Easter morning. You did the impossible, what the world said couldn't happen. You did it. And so I will trust in you. Easter is a reminder that God still moves mountains on your behalf. Easter is a reminder that God sees you, he knows you, and he loves you deeply. You might have walked into this place feeling unloved. You might have walked into this place going, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. And God brought you here to let you know, I see you. I know you. And I love you. And I'm not done. The story is not over. This Easter, my prayer 
So no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're dealing with in life, no matter what your kids are walking through, what health issues you may have, what relational challenges you may be dealing with, no matter what you see happening in the world around you, that this Easter, you'll be reminded. And you'll have a hope that our God is not done. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you. I thank you, God, that even when we feel like the story may be over, God, you're still moving. That God, even when it feels very dark, very bleak, even when that stone was rolled over the tomb and Jesus' body is laying in there, God, that you're not done. And Father, there are some of us that we've walked into this place, God, just needing some hope, needing you to move, needing our own resurrection story. And God, I pray that if that's us, if that's any person in here today, Father, that we would choose to surrender over that area of our life, that we would choose to give up control over that area of our life so that our faith can grow, so that we can place our trust in you on such a greater level, so that, God, as we let go and you take hold, you move mountains. And, Father, I know that, like every week at Front Range, but especially on Easter, God, we have people who walked into this place. If we're being real honest with ourselves, we'd say, man, Ernest, I walked into here feeling very far from God. Not even sure what I believe, but I'm here. And I want you to know that God sees you. That God knows your story. He knows your pain. He knows what you've been walking through. And God has never left you. Even though it may have felt like it at times, God has never left you. And he's saying today, come home. Come home. What does that mean? It means simply recognizing what Jesus did on the cross, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he paid a penalty that we deserve to pay. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later, what we celebrate today, to show his power over death and over sin so that you and I could have eternal life, so you and I could be back into a relationship with God, that our sins separated us from him, but he did everything in his power to bring us back to him. Now it's our choice. And so that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed. If you say, Ernest, today, I want to come home. I want to accept what Jesus did on the cross for me. I want to place my faith in him. I want to surrender control of my life, man. It, it hasn't been working anyways. I want to surrender it to him. Does that mean you're still going to have questions? Of course. Does it mean you're still going to wrestle with doubts? Of course. Maybe. We'll walk with you in the midst of it all. God will walk with you in the midst of it all. But today, are you willing to take a step of faith and say, I want to come home? If that's you, with every head bowed, eyes closed, you want to commit your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, you want to say, God, I want to come home today. I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Father, so many hands. Father, I thank you that you know each one of their stories, God. And you drew them here for a reason today. So God, we surrender control to you now. 
we give you, God, what isn't working anyways. And we place our faith in you. And we say today, Jesus, we give you ourselves. And we place our trust in you, Father. May you work miracles in our lives. In Jesus' name.